How are we all doing? Are we okay? You ready? So um, it's been a few months because I was rudely interrupted by the summer and my brother. Um, so I thought I'd remind ourselves of the premises of this um, refreshing journey we've been going on, Treasure in His Presence. Um, and there are two premises, really. Number one is that there is untold, untapped, unlimited treasure to be found in the presence of God. Amen. And we've, it's untold. I think it's untapped, folks. But the good news is it is unlimited treasure in his presence. Premise number one. Premise number two is to become who we need to be and to do what we need to do. We are going to need encounters in the presence of God. We're going to need to meet with him. We're going to look, going to need to stare into his eyes. We're going to need to seek his face. And we're going to need to hear from him. Now, the idea um, through Refreshing 2023 is, is this, that God wants to take us on a journey. God wants us to take us on a transforming, enriching, equipping journey. Anyone feel that they're on that journey? He wants to take us on a journey of transformation not into the best you, not into power and influence. He wants to take you on a journey of transformation into the image of Christ, which, trust me, is far better. He wants to take you on an enriching journey, a journey into fullness of resurrection, life, and power. Anyone do with a bit more life and a bit more resurrection power? So what did I say? Transforming, enriching, and equipping. He wants to take us on a journey to equip us to serve in our sweet spot and to bear fruit for his kingdom. And do you know what? As an individual, he wants to take you on a journey. As a church, he wants to take us on a journey. Lord, I believe that every time we gather as his people in his name, whether in this context or in connect groups, he, he purposes to take us on a journey. And he leads us from where we are to where we need to be. He leads us into encounter. He feeds us with his word. He fills us with his spirit, all designed to transform us from one degree of glory into another, looking at it slightly differently. Number one, there is untold, untapped, unlimited treasure to be found in the presence of God. And God wants to reveal it to us. He wants to unpack it for us. He wants to bless us with it as he takes us on that journey. And then premise number two, to become who we need to be, to do what we need to do, we're going to need encounters in the presence of God. As we meet with him, powerful things happen in his presence as he reveals more of who he is and what he has for us. Now, we've been working our way through nine R's this year. Nine pieces of treasure that God has for us. 
nine items of business that God wants to do deep inside of our hearts. And nine deliberate steps on that journey of transforming and enriching and equipping. I want you to notice, we got that first slide. Can we slot it up there, please? Glamorous assistant at the back. It seems to have morphed from Emma and Steve. This is a blessing. That's good. Thank you for the wave. So there, there's that list on the left, right. I want you to notice there's an order. There's a sequence. There's a process that's being worked there. We've been on that journey, haven't we? It starts with the first three. It starts with realignment and repentance and refining. Those, those three refreshings were a little bit chewier, perhaps, than the, some of the more light, glitzy ones later in the year. But you know, without those, without the realignment and the repentance and the refining, without those, you'll never make it further down the list. The places that God longs to take you. It's restoration. It's refilling. It's refreshing. But the good news is that once he's got you where he wants you, and when he's filled you with what you need, then as we work our way down the list there, he can start to do the serious work of revelation and of recommissioning, which is our R for today. Now, uh, back in January, our refreshing journey began in, with Isaiah's vision his life-changing vision of God and his heavenly temple. We're going to read that account again in a second. I use that both for my inspiration for my list of nine R's, but it also as evidence for the order and for the sequence there, as we'll see in just a second. Um, today, we're looking at the, the climax of that vision. We're looking at the end game. We're looking at the outcome. And the moral of the story is that encounter has a purpose. And as we'll see, the presence of God is the place of recommissioning. So we're just going to read that story. It's a good one. Um, we'll just read it through to set the scene. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Isaiah speaking, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted. Could you imagine what he saw? And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another. Here we go. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. This is Isaiah. Woe to me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. 
Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Yes. Go. I want you to note four key verbs in, in that passage which summarize Isaiah's journey. Verb number one is, I saw. Right at the start, in the, year, the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I saw. When you, you really get it, everything changes. And then verb number two is, I cried. This is what happened as a result of what I saw, says Isaiah. Woe to me. I cried, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So first he saw. Then his response to what he saw was he cried out to the Lord. And because, of course, because, because God is a God of mercy, those cries from Isaiah were met with lavish grace. And the angel touched his lips with a, with a live burning coal taken from the fire and it took away his guilt, the text says, and it atoned for, covered his sin. What's going on there? Well, we're now ours, folks. That's the, that's the repentance. That's the, that's the refining. That's the, the restoring. And then verb number three is, I heard. Now we're nearly ready. Verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now Isaiah has been made right with God. It's time for business. It's time for commission. And then the fourth verb at the end of uh, verse 8 is, I said, and I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah responds to God's call and then sets out from that point on his mission as God's prophet to the nation of Israel. So that was Isaiah's journey. He saw, he cried, he heard, he said. That was Isaiah's journey. And guess what? That's going to be our journey too. You know, first of all, we see. And in seeing who God really is, then we can see ourselves as we really are. A sinner in need of saving grace. So first we see, and then second we cry out. And we too need to go through that process of repenting and realigning and restoring and refining. They're clear next steps in the cycle and we all need to go there. But the good news is, there is ample grace for that. And then in part three, we, we begin to hear the call. What, what are you purposing, Lord? What, what have you deposited in me? What do you want to do in and through me? Which ultimately results in commission. 
And then finally, part four, we, we embrace that commission as we too respond saying, here am I, send me. I'm hoping that some of you tonight are going to say, God, here am I, send me. Remember I said a few minutes ago that the encounter has a purpose. And if it truly is an encounter, then God will be speaking. God will be inspiring and God will be challenging and God will be leading us into kingdom purpose. What we call commission. Now there are two parts to commission that we need to consider tonight. The first one is God's general commission to his church. And then the second one is God's specific and personal Commission to you. Let's look at those. The first one, God's, God's great commission, God's general commission to the church as a whole, which basically, to cut a long story short, is go forth and multiply. We first see that commission in creation right at the beginning in Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, I gave them a commission, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That commission was restated to Abraham. Abraham, as I'm sure you remember, was the father of the nation. Genesis 12 verse 1, go forth. There was Abraham minding his own business in Ur. He, he was a worshiper, definitely he was in relationship with God. God said to him, go forth and in, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Just read Isaiah's commission, Isaiah 6 verse 9. And God said, go and tell. Jesus, of course, gave his 12 disciples a commission in Matthew chapter 10. Verse 1, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Dropping down into verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out commission with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, commission, preach this message. Kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And of course, we have what, what we know as the Great Commission. Jesus' directive to his church. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember the point again. Encounter is for a purpose. Encounter is not just a feel-good experience with a dose of the warm fuzzies, although it may include some of that. Ultimately, encounter is for a purpose. And if we have truly met with God, 
if he has spoken, that there will be a sending from him and there should be a responding from us. I'll say that again. If God has truly spoken, if it really has been an encounter, there will be a sending, a commissioning from him and there should be a responding from us. And we should leave with a renewed sense of that commission, which is to go for and multiply. So I said there were two parts. That's the first part, the, the general commission to God's church. And the second one, personalizing it now, is God's specific and personal and probably unique commission to you. And in the Bible, there are any number of cases of individuals receiving a personal commission from the Lord. We've already mentioned Abraham being sent forth out of Ur in Genesis chapter 12. We have Joseph dreaming in Genesis 37. We have David's anointing in 1 Samuel 16. How about this one? Psalm 139, verse 16. This is David writing. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, in the middle of one of David's most, most intimate and tender psalms, he says this essentially, I know that you have a plan for me. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David recognized that. Then, of course, there's the, the commission that you have all have on your kitchen walls, which is Jeremiah 29, 11. All good Christians have a post with this on their kitchen wall or in their office or if they're really, 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 really spiritual in their ensuite bathroom. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I, you can all sing it. You all know it. Because you see it every day. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I've got a plan for you. I've got a commission for you. I've got a mandate for you. I've got a future for you. He goes on to say there are plans for good and not for disaster. That's reassuring. And to give you a future and a hope. And if you look at that, uh, we, we tend to quote that in isolation. But if you look at that in its context, it's written to the the elders and the priests of the prophet and prophets, who at that stage were coming to the end of their exile in Babylon. And again, if you look through that chapter, you'll see that there were false prophets and fortune tellers speaking all sorts of lies and nonsense over them. And into that, God speaks. And he says, know this, I have a plan for you. Which then, if you read the next few beautiful verses, actually, God outlines that plan in a little bit more detail. Think about a couple of New Testament examples. Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. He wrote in Colossians 1.25, I have become its servant, talking about the gospel, by the commission that God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. And as Paul saying, God has given me Paul, a commission. As we know, talking of journeys, Paul had been on quite the journey. He was quite literally knocked off his high horse 
And as a result of that, there was a great deal of soul searching and theology correcting and repenting and refining and revealing going on. And then after that period of time, on that journey of transforming and enriching and equipping, he's, he's received his refilling, he's received his restoring, he's received his refreshing. And then we find Paul praying in the temple in Jerusalem, and he had this encounter. Acts 22, verse 17. When I had returned to Jerusalem as pray, and I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And I saw God saying to me, make haste. And get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. Verse 21, he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Paul said, here am I, send me. And God gave him his commission as apostle to the Gentiles. Now there's another character in that scene who also receives a commission. And his name was Ananias. Ananias, I think, is a hero of mine. Ananias was a man that God commissioned to minister to Saul. This was a scary job. We remember Saul's reputation. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, so here's Ananias having his encounter, Ananias. Full stop. And he said, here I am, Lord. Sound familiar? Verse 11, the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. Good name for a street, you think about it. And at the house of Jesus, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. Verse 13, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, here's his commission, for he is a chosen instrument. He also has a commission. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse 17, they connect eventually, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up and he was baptized. Now, do you know what? We don't know much about Ananias. He had a vision, just like Isaiah, but that he was given a specific and personal commission, in this case quite a short-term one, and we know that Ananias faithfully fulfilled that commission for the glory of God. But a question for you, without Ananias, what would have happened? If it hadn't been for Ananias, would we be missing one-third of the New Testament? Question mark. One last verse, and then we'll be done. Psalm 37, verse 4. Another one that you have in your bathroom, or you should do. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. I love that verse. Preached on it many times. 
You, you can read this verse, I think, two ways. The first way you can read it is this. If you delight yourself in the Lord, then he will give you the fulfillment of the desires that are in your heart. So, so the first sense of, of this is the idea of him fulfilling your desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But the second reading, for me, I think focuses on the word give. He will give you desires. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you desires. In other words, he will give you his desires. Holy Spirit dreams and convictions and passions. And I think in the fullest sense for this verse, your desires and his desires become one and the same as you delight yourself in the Lord. That's what happens in encounter. God stirs your passions. He invokes fresh purposes. He impregnates you with new dreams. And he plants new seeds. For Abraham, the dream was a nation. For Joseph, the dream was leadership. Brothers didn't like it much. For King David, the dream was a temple for the glory of God. For Paul, that dream was the Gentile nations. For Billy Graham, the great harvest of souls. For you, I wonder, what, what does God have in store for you? It could be an intensified desire to pray. It could be a fresh call to serve him. It could be a renewed passion to see souls saved. It could be imaginative opportunities to use the gifts that he's given you. It could be a specific short-term assignment like Ananias. Here's a bold statement. We're nearly done. Here's my bold statement. When we have truly been in God's presence, we should always leave recommissioned. Now, I don't want to put encounter in a box here by any stretch of imagination. There are lots of wonderful things in that treasure chest. But it's a big sweeping statement. When we have truly been in God's presence, we should always leave, I believe, with some sense of recommissioning. If we've been on that journey truly, with a renewed sense of, number one, fresh fire for the Great Commission. Preach the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons. When we've truly been in God's presence, we should leave with fresh fire for the Great Commission. And then secondly, when we've been, truly been in God's presence, we should leave with renewed zeal for our own personal commission. We should leave inspired. And we should leave re-envisioned. And we should leave empowered. Now I realize that um, time is ticking along here and we've already been on a journey tonight. It's great. But we're just going to give it a little bit of time. Perhaps the worship team might like to reassemble, please, if they're not too exhausted from their fasting. Thank you. 
There's nothing quite like staying on the same riff for 15 minutes when you're a guitar player and you've got sharp strings. Thank you, Simon. God bless you. Barry. So what we're going to do, we're going to spend a little time in worship. And quite simply, I'm just going to encourage you to spend a little time doing a little business with the Lord. Encourage you just to open your heart wide as we sing. They'll sing over us. We have a ministry team that will gladly pray for you. I'm happy to pray with you. The prayer is this. The prayer is for commissioning. Recommissioning. Lord, show me. Lord, let me see. Holy Spirit, what are you calling for right now? Jesus, how can... How can I serve you? Father, what do you purpose for me? What do you purpose for us? And then the prayer closes with this line. Lord, here I am. Here am I. Send me. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray just very, very quickly. And we're going to spend the minutes that remain just doing business with the Lord. And just praying those big, bold prayers. And if God is here, and if God is stirring, and your heart is wide open, I I believe you can walk out of this space with a renewed sense of, of what am I here for? What's next for me? What are you calling me to? And I suspect that some of you probably came in tonight just with those kind of questions. Well, what am I doing? Where am I going? I just could do with insight. I'd love it if, if someone would prophesy over me and call me by name and say, this is what the Lord has for you and get on and do it. That would be wonderful. But more often than not, God speaks directly to your heart. And so we're going to give him the opportunity to do that. So let's stand, if that's okay. I'm going to pray. And then we'll worship a while. And then I'll leave it in the hands, very capable hands of Mr. Simon Meek as to how we proceed from there. So let's pray. Maybe stretch your arms out to the Lord. Do you know why we do that? I think because it leaves our heart wide open and exposed. So Lord, we thank you for all you have done in our lives. We testified to it earlier. We've seen your hand. We acknowledge that you have saved us. In many cases, you've pulled us out of the miry clay and you put our feet back on the rock. And in that journey, there's been repentance on our part. There's been refining. There's been restoration. Lord, there have been days of refreshing and refilling. Kind of the climax, the culmination of all that, Lord, is us asking you, saying, Lord, what do you have for us? And our heart's cry is, Lord, it's me. I'm here. Send me. You might want to pray a bold Some would say ridiculous prayer. Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, wherever it is you want me to go, I'm your man. Lord, I'm available. I foolishly prayed that once. Goodness me, it messed with my life. (laughs) It was because I was walking around the fields of Exeter University waiting for my final degree results to come. And at that point, I was bargaining with God. Just let me get a 2-2, Lord, and I'll do anything for you. I jest. I prayed and God answered. 
I prayed and God answered. And he turned my life upside down really fast. Probably needed it. Good thing. Lord, that's our prayer. Lord, if you need to turn our lives upside down, if you need to point us in a fresh direction, if you need to shine your light on a new path, if you need to reinvigorate dreams that are deep inside of us that maybe been forgotten or laid to one side, Lord, here we are. For the next few minutes, come to it. Holy Spirit, we give you this time. Come breathe fresh breath on us. We